It's 12 Enough, Season 12, Episode 3, with your host, Jonathan Malone, and guest host, Meg Kelvin. 12 Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Meg Kelvin is a writer, speaker, inspirer, and just amazing individual. You'll hear more about her soon. This podcast is brought to you by the Society for the Awareness of the Pastor's Post-Easter Hangover. The day after Easter, if you see your pastor wandering around saying, what do I do next? What do I do next? Just have them sit down, make them some herbal tea, and tell them, you did a good job. You're going to be okay. The Society for the Awareness of the Pastor's Post-Easter Hangover. And by Alexis de Tocqueville's 2020 Tour of America. He's back. He's ready to travel the world, to travel the country, to observe, and to write a good eight to 900 pages about what it is that he sees and how we're still just not as good as the French aristocracy. Alexis de Tocqueville's 2020 Tour of America coming to a city near you. And we're back. All right, if you weren't clear from some of those sponsors, it's the day after Easter that I'm recording this. Because I did end up wandering around the house saying, what do I do now? What do I do now? And that was the weirdest Easter I've done ever. Uh, Still in the midst of quarantine. And uh, hopefully I'll get this out soon. But maybe by the time it goes out, we'll be after quarantine and quarantine jokes will feel quaint. That'd be great. I can't wait. But it's the day after Easter and I just needed something to do. And I thought I've got to get going on this podcast I recorded with Meg. Uh, Meg wrote this book, I Am My Own Sanctuary. It's an excellent book. She sent me a copy. I got to read it and uh, and we had a just a fantastic conversation about her journey Um the struggles that she's had with her faith, the victories and joys she's had with her faith, and just the sharing of that book itself. So it's, it's, it is an excellent book. I strongly recommend it, and you'll hear me say that again in the conversation I had, but I thought I need to get this out to you. So here it is, the conversation I had with Meg Kelvin. I'm here with Maggie Lee Calvin, who I'm going to call Meg throughout this because it's just because we're friends now. Because we're friends. We've chatted for a good five minutes, and that's all (laughs) it takes. And I've read your book. Uh, (laughs) Meg, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Kind of in Rhode Island a little bit with you. Have you been to Rhode Island before? The closest I've been to is Newark. New York's close. Jersey's close to Rhode yeah, Island, Yeah, right? I mean, it's all yeah. East Coast, so yeah, it's all okay. the same. That's, yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. Newark, yeah, it's, a, it's only like a three-hour train ride from Newark to, okay. uh, to Rhode Island. So yeah, you got a sense of it. We're a little more reserved than the New Jersey folks. Okay, um, makes yeah, we, sense. Yeah, we're more New England-y. Um, but, and and ah. you're, in, you're in Kansas. Um, I have a, a, a good friend who's been on the show a number of times, Michael Strickland. He's in Atchison, Kansas. 
Okay. Um, which I know stuff about. I don't know. You're in, in Winfield, Kansas. I know nothing about that town. Well, you should know something about okay. us. And that is that we have the largest outdoor music festival in America. What? And that is the Walnut Valley Bluegrass Festival. It's been going on for 47 years, and our population doubles every second weekend in September. And stars like Allison Krauss and Don Henley of the Eagles, they yeah. got their start here with us. And so that's what most people know us for. Well, it's, it's, there we go. Yeah. So Winfield, Kansas, what was the name of that festival again? The Walnut Valley Bluegrass Festival. The Walnut Valley Bluegrass, because you have a lot of walnuts there in that part of Kansas? Sure, sure. Yeah, okay. we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I mean, Kansas is known, I mean, when I think Kansas, the first thing I think of is walnuts. Walnut, That's right, the yeah. first thing, you know, Idaho potatoes, <laughs> Pittsburgh yeah. steel, Kansas walnuts. 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 Every all day, every day. Always. And then I go to the Wizard of Oz. But it's always walnuts <laughs> first, Wizard of Oz second, birthplace of Amelia Earhart third. That's Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs> she, yeah, she was pretty good. Um she just needed a better navigator, that's all. Yeah, basically. Right? Basically. Yes. So you wrote a book. I did. Yeah. Actually you've written two books. At least. I, I, yes, I have. So, yeah, but I haven't read the, I didn't read the Bonnet Child. Um, sorry, I can only read, I can only read so much. Yes, you're a pastor. It makes sense. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, the other hour a week that I spend working needs to be thinking about the message. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Um, so you wrote this fantastic book, I Am My Own Sanctuary, Cohen, and any book with a Cohen is mm -hmm. a winner in, for me. So oh, yeah. thank totally. you for that. Because then it feels somewhat academic, right? Yes. And we know kind this of. Is, <laughs> this is someone who's given thought. Cohen, so I am my own sanctuary. Cohen, how a recovering holy roller found healing and power. Uh, so, uh, you know, thank you for the copy of it. Thank you for sending me a hard copy. And yeah. when you originally reached out, you said I could get an ebook copy right away, not a problem. Uh, and and I, I appreciate that's how a lot of people read. I'm still an actual hard copy person. I like mm -hmm. underlining, you know, and marking things up. And then I also like putting it on my bookshelf and then I can look at it and say, like, I read that and feel right? somewhat good about myself. Yeah, I'm the same way. Oh, good. Totally. Yes. <laughs> and I recently heard that it's really our, our libraries, they are self-shaping. Mm. And so it's important for for some of us, probably even more verbal linguistic learners among us to keep our libraries where we can see them every day is a reminder of the self-shaping that has taken place through each of those books. Nice. I, I like that for so, two yeah. reasons. One, I, I, I like the reflective nature of it. Two, mm -hmm. I like the excuse to not get rid of any of my books. <laughs> so thank right? you for that. That's that's going to be very helpful for me in the future. So when, when my mm -hmm. wife says, you need to get rid of some of these books, I say, no, I can't. Meg said, yeah. hold on to your books. <laughs> They're a reflection They're of who you are. They're self-shaping. They're self-shaping. <laughs> you don't want me to be just some like weird shape, do you? <laughs> Let me hold. Uh, so <laughs> thank you for writing, for writing this book. I, there's a lot of vulnerability in that, in, in your book. Mm -hmm. And I really do, in, in all sincerity, um, authors that take chances, I, I mm -hmm. always admire and really, really value because uh, you're trying to say something, you're trying to offer something, and to take the chances you took in the book was just really wonderful. Uh, and I meant, was that scary for you to write some of the stuff that you did in this? Oh, yes. Very scary. Probably because 
as most of your listeners are aware of the the Myers-Briggs made by Richard Rohr called the Enneagram. Right. <laughs> totally joking. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, you, there's like three people out there who just got excited. One just you, got yes. well, two of them because oh, Richard Rohr, and then the other like Enneagram. So, Enneagram. Yeah, Buzzwords. You, you mentioned you mentioned Jungian archetypes, and and someone's just gonna have their head explode. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> I'm totally not pandering. No. Um. <laughs> Pander away. Come on. I only have like eight listeners anyway, so we got to make them all happy. <laughs> That's right. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So on the Enneagram, I come up as a three, the performer three. And so my underlying motive in most all situations is, am I impressive? Am Mm. I successful? Am I appearing successful? Right. And so for this book, once I got choir publishing companies, editors, both were saying, I want more of you. I want more mm. vulnerability. There's something not being said here and you need to actually explicitly say it. When I got that feedback, I realized I was scared because mm. as a three, I knew I was not going to impress a lot of people with this book because of some of the religious thoughts that I intentionally disrupt. I intentionally disrupt thought patterns mm. and, um, I call out, I, t- I, being on the church staff from age 17 to 32, I poke fun at the church as a bureaucratic machine. And I, I poke fun at complementarian marriage and I, I poke fun at misogyny and I poke fun at at purity culture. And so I knew that by doing that, I was not going to impress a lot of people, but also, but, or should I say, and, and also I was going to be serving my target market well. And so that was scary to know I'm not going to impress a lot of people, but there's going to be a few people out there that are hungry for a book like this Mm -hmm. and hopefully they're going to find healing and equipping and encouragement here yeah well i I imagine that you you didn't write this book in an effort to get sales but that you have a story that you really want to tell right and that's is that a safe assumption yeah totally okay good i mean yeah because you're 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 methodist and methodists tend to be decent folk you're not like episcopalian just looking to make a buck that's not true. I love Ep- Episcopalians are fantastic people. Fantastic. Some of my best friends. No Some Episcopalians. Of my best friends. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I mean, so part of it, it does sound like you went through your own journey. And, oh, yeah. And in all of those those beats that you kind of hit just there of like the misogyny, the complementarianism of, of marriage, the purity culture. Mm-hmm. And, and over and the overall idea of, of church culture, like that wrestling that you had to do with that, that's that's where I saw that that really deep vulnerability. And mm-hmm. and it you know, it, and from what I've read, you know, you mm-hmm. you worked through it and, and emerged victorious of in, in a way. It sounds like you're still, you know, there are probably still struggles in their own. You know, we're never done. Right, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. God says, "No, that's it. That's as good as you're gonna get." I'd be like, "Oh no, <laughs> really?" Thanks. Um, but is it was a part of it the sense of like I know that other people have similar struggles and I want to help. Yes, definitely. Yeah, for for as long as I can remember, there was I was really there was a great deal of confusion. Hmm. And quandaries that I had. I love that word, quandaries. It's a good um, word. It's a good word. I was really confused by how many spiritual people considered self-love and ambition as the opposite of godly and good. Mm. And so I wanted to explore this. And um, I, I noticed that 
a lot of grit in religious circles came from a place of appeasing or impressing church members, <laughs> as opposed to taking ownership of the power of the Holy Spirit within. Yeah, yeah. And in, and so all of all of those types of quandaries and confusion after many years led to I want to write a book about I want to write a good I want to write a book that encourages other holy rollers to own their grit. And that they already have enough grit for every goal. And it's okay to want to chase that goal. It's not selfish. And they already have enough grace for every wound because within us is the Holy Spirit. And mm. um, and what does grace look like when we're living with healthy boundaries, with with toxic relationships? What is what does that look like as holy rollers? And um, and I'll never forget, I was at a conference and talking about this project, this, the project of the book. And a gentleman said, where did you get this obsession with grit? Because it came up in my first book. That's about how the local church can be a supplemental family to kids of troubled homes. Nice. And I've always, I always blogged about grit and the resilient spirit. And so this guy asked me, where did, why are you obsessed with grit? It's, it's an undertone of all your work. And I said, I think it's my family. It's my crazy, mm. irrepressible family. Nice. <laughs> and so when I realized that I thought, maybe this book should have a memoir like feel or lots of anecdotal moments that I can have this, this stage of self-deprecation of self-deprecating humor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so that, yeah, towards the end, it, as most creations do when we create them as we are co-creators with God, our creations will talk back to us, not in a new agey way, but maybe <laughs> and tell us, you know, I'm sure that happens with sermons for you. Yeah, yeah, most of my sermons are autobiographical, whether I want them to be or not. Like <laughs> Saturday night, I'm working. I'm like, oh, wait, this is for me, isn't it? <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> Why can't I just have one Sunday when I'm doing fine? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah, but that's but um, so that so you were saying like this latter part of the book, you're having your creations talk back to you. Yeah, yeah. And it, it be towards the end, toward the end of writing it. Um, well, I guess toward toward the end. And this is it's so funny to think back. This would have been around two years ago. Yeah. When I was writing create and I I now have the the joy of coaching people and writing their books, their nice. first books. And so this is a really fun process just to as Louis L'Amour, the Western author says, like, to get the water running, you got to turn the faucet. And so this mm. idea of just not second guessing and just writing out your table, your dream table of contents page. Right. And, um, and in that process two years ago when I was making the flow of the book and at first it, it didn't have a memoir like feel. Then I thought, um, when I realized where my obsession with grit came from, it came from my crazy irrepressible family. And this fact that during my family's hard time of divorce and, um, being a military family and my dad fighting in the Gulf War and all that messiness, um, the local church became, uh, in a healthy way, a supplemental family to mm. me that I needed. Yeah. But, but there was also starting to, I started preaching when I was 13 and which is beautiful and good. Yeah. And, uh, but <laughs> that also instilled in me this, um, this unhealthy need for, affirmation and validation that I was getting from the church because I wasn't getting it from home mm. at that at that season. Right. And so while God used that time for good, um, it led to this weird life that I had no life outside the church and um, start, began the ordination process when I was 16. <laughs> and yeah, so it's just it's early. a weird it's a weird story. And in it, there's so many lessons about owning, owning the power of your own sanctuary. And yeah. so 
but yeah, that was the, the shape of the book that it began to take. And then the, the title is my life mantra. So that worked out beautifully too. Yeah. That's fantastic. I like that. I, I think you've got to write what you know. I mean, that's, I don't right. need to tell you that because you're probably telling people you're working with, like, write what you know. Um, and, and so to bring in that memoir aspect, I think is really important and very relevant. And, and then we trust that my experiences, well, my experiences are my own, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, there is going to be a universality to it. Right. You know, and that people will be able to connect in their own way. I mean, that's really trusting the reader, that the reader will be, have enough sense of nuance to say, well, I may not have had the same, like, for example, I've never dated a stripper. <laughs> never really <laughs> there are certain things I can and cannot say on this podcast and for the yes. sake of this podcast I'm going to say I've never dated a stripper <laughs> we'll leave it there <laughs> most most haven't is what I have found most right, have right. not yeah or yeah most um, but I could certainly relate to that those questions of of self-worth uh, you know that that I that that you spoke about in that chapter. Those questions of like, am I good enough? And you know, do I have enough to share? Um, you know, I I think there's a lot in this book. I didn't read this as a book for pastors specifically. I read it more as a book for lay people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is a lot, and, and maybe that's I might that that might not be. Maybe you say it's for everyone, which probably is. But. I, I, no, <laughs> no. There are certain no, people who not. just should not read this book. <laughs> so, is, or would you say it's more for lay people, or? Um, my target market is probably people in their yeah, not probably confidently. I will say it is nice. people in their their late twenties to late thirties who are spiritually attuned go getters. Is what okay. I call my call my folks, and these are people that are. They're done playing small or shrinking back, as Marion Williamson says, as as good little Christians. They're ready mm-hmm. to chase goals, and um, the age the age the age bracket is there because yeah. I make lots of references to pop culture. Yeah. And um, my boss at the Institute for Discipleship, he is sixty five, and he said. I loved your book so much. I know it wasn't for me though, because I didn't get a lot of those references, but I loved it. It's so, <laughs> it's so, um, so, so yeah. And there's, there is cathartic cuss words. There is, sure. um, I, I quote South Park. I yep. quote Nietzsche. I quote Tina Fey. Um, I talk about the mind, body, spirit connection and how I offend people when I say that God is waiting on you to take charge of your emotional health. So there's lots of things that I think some boomers or older Xers might be just turned off by not mm. to play the age card. But I have found that when I was writing it, I was thinking of, I was thinking of millennials okay, and, yeah. um, yeah. So, and, yeah. and, and probably, yeah, probably since it was written when I left the church, left the position on it as a church staff member. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, there is definitely some anger and, and a hurt there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it probably isn't for someone that is. It was it was, yeah, long answer, really long. It was written for lay people, not clergy. Yes. But lay people, <laughs> nice. <Phew. laughs> seven, seven hours later. Yeah, right, uh. right. Like, keep talking. I'm gonna get a drink. Yes. I'll be back. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, that was really I, that was a, that was a beautiful answer. Uh, yeah. And it's, in part, not only that it's just for lay people, but you are thinking of a not just an age group, but uh, but 
a certain spiritual demographic. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, it, I, I wonder how much of it is partially geographically focused as well. And, mm. and by that, I mean, so Christianity in New England. Right. I think by and large is a little different from Christianity. In the Bible Belt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I said I, I was a bad listener. I said yes, because I knew I, I had a feeling where you were going. So I'm sorry I answered before you finished. <laughs> well, thanks for being aware of that. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's totally cool. Um, so when I work with, you know, and, and I I also think there, you know, while the Methodists, you know, the United Methodist Church, um, it's, it's still one of the more progressive leaning denominations, you know, you know nationally. Mm-hmm. I, I, I recognize that there's a lot of diversity from church to church. Same with, with American Baptist, the church that I serve. Um, I, but I come from a, a progressive background. Um, the church I serve now is really in the middle. But most of the younger adults, the, the ones that I've worked with who have grown up through the church, lean more progressive. Mm-hmm. And I think they would read this and say, yeah, totally, I get it. Yeah, it wouldn't be as much of a you know much of a shock for them. And but that might also just be the kind the way that not just me, but the way that a more progressive leaning Christianity, you mm-hmm. know, embraces a sense of spirituality, sense of wholeness, sense of self care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, but I think I don't know where I'm going with this. I know where I'm going. Um, I, I think there is something to be said that there's still the majority of Christianity in America are all these other things. Mm-hmm. And there are people who, you know, are coming out of their teens into their, their early adulthood and, and hitting this wall saying, like, wait a second, I was told all these things. I'm trying to be performative for, for the church to, mm-hmm. you know, to get that approval. And I'm just not getting it anymore or it's just not fulfilling anymore. And, and I'm feeling lost. And that's and that's part that's a large part of where I hear your, your book, you know, talking to people from that. Is that fair? Oh, totally. Lots of struggles with people pleasing and yeah per- performing in a way to appease par- parishioners or church members definitely well, definitely and, yeah and that's why i think um it's good for pastors more broadly mm-hmm. um because the you know for those of us who go into this bizarre career as you have a nice little list in there near the end um we are <laughs> we are like we're people pleasers just to the nth degree Mm-hmm. Right. And and we are, you know, by nature, we're performative looking for the approval of the congregation. And one of the biggest challenges, uh, one of the biggest challenges, a challenge that I often wrestle with is um, when what are the times when I'm going to stand up and say, this is what we're doing. And I know it's going to upset you, but this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and versus those times when I say, how can I do something that will please the most people and make sure everyone stays happy? Because mm-hmm. by and large, the majority of the times I'm going to say, what can I do that will keep the most people happy? Mm-hmm. Because that's part of who I am. Um, you know, so, so the book, I think, does have a voice for um, you know, pastors re- more or less regardless of the generational divides. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't find the pop culture references that I, I found them um, adjacent but not integral to, for the most part, not integral yeah. to, to the narratives that you're trying to share. And mm-hmm. any good reader should be able to read through, you know, if they say, I don't get that reference, but that's okay, I get your point. And I think mm-hmm. that speaks to the strength of your writing. Oh, thanks. That, yeah. That's 
that's a that's affirming because it is a weird beast of a book and I I tell people that it's like Seth Meyers conceived a book baby with the <laughs> the celebrity nun Joan Chittister. Yeah, and it would be and, in a taxi because isn't that where Seth Meyers, where his wife had a baby? Oh, yes, you're right. I forgot that. You can use that. That's yours. Run with <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. I will give you credit. Jonathan Malone says <laughs> no, I can no, use no. this. No, no, no. You don't have to give me credit for that. <laughs> That's in the ether. <laughs> but yeah, I well, I it, I heard that as this is your voice. Mm-hmm. I heard it as as you being honest with your voice. This is if I met you and didn't know you, you know, didn't like know you know know your face or anything, and you just started talking like, oh, I know this person. I read her book. That's how yep. I took it. Awesome. That's good. That was the goal. So that that's that's helpful. Yeah, to hear. Um, so one of the things I was, you know, I I like the idea of the self care, the being aware of oneself. Um, what about the role of the community? And this conversation was the first the first time I actually I heard with that stronger emphasis how important a church community is. And maybe I need to read the Blue Bonnet Child, mm. you know, so shame on me. But oh, I, no, not a no shame on you. <laughs> no, not at all. But tell me about as once trying to strive, striving to get their own sense of self in relationship with God. Mm. What's the role of the, of the community in that? Yeah, I was I was reminded of this yesterday on a walk with my, my daughter. And I don't know, by the time this, you drop this episode, the quarantine might be over, Let's hope. but let's hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but my daughter and I have had the best time in quarantine, figuring, playing together and resting together. And while I'm working together, she might be, while I'm working, she might be next to me doing Play-Doh. And nice. we've been in this nice little bubble and just being together. And I haven't watched the news a lot, shame on me. And I haven't been around other people. And then yesterday we went on a walk, she and I and our dog, and I heard across the park, there was this, there was this parent being probably more angry and more reactive than what was healthy for the child. Hmm. And as I usually do, I, I start, I start, I start praying for that, that, that parent to be, to be aware of God's loving mercy in that moment. I start praying for the child to feel, be aware of the Holy Spirit's safety. And, um, even though it was, he was just yelling, but yeah. still it was a moment that reminded me, oh gosh, I had forgotten about other people that really for so many kids, it's not, it's probably not good for them to be in quarantine. Like they, right. they need the supplemental family of schools of YMCA's and big brother, big sisters, those programs stick to the point, Meg. Anyway, no, so right. <laughs> This moment reminded me of how there are obviously times where we need, we need, um, we need others to support us, to mm. advocate for us, to hold us accountable, to to remind us who God made us to be, and um, I think the 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 issue comes with so many holy rollers, if I can use that phrase, because that's mm. um, I'm a rec- as a, as I say in the book, a recovering holy recovering, roller. Yeah. The issue the issue that I've recovered from, and I think so many Christians, is that um, because ministry is so relational, we get sometimes enmeshed in our relationships, and we begin making all of our choices from a place of appeasing or impressing, as opposed to being in tune with how the Holy Spirit is guiding us mm. within. Yeah. And so I am a. I'm a firm believer, and that's why symbolically I made the longest chapter in the book over relationships, yeah. because I'm I'm a firm believer in the the Stanley Grins quote, 
um, it is in community that it is only in community that we discover who God made us to be. And I, I am a firm, firm believer in that. Yeah. We just need to make sure that we're living from a place of trusting who God made us to be enough that we can feel safe and loved. Even if those in our family disagree with us, even if we offend someone, we can, we can feel loved and trusted in who God made mm. us to be. So there is, there's the balance. So we unpack and that's kind of one of the, one of the, the motives behind the, the, ch- the title. Yeah. I am my own sanctuary is the psychological idea of being differentiated. Are you right. living out of a place of a healthy balance of autonomy and togetherness? Right. So, so early in in the book, on on page twenty seven, for those who are following along at home, uh, <laughs> and, and I did read the whole thing. I didn't just read up to twenty seven and just you know, I'm sure some less professional podcasters will read until they find their one good quote until like that was good enough. Uh, but no, <laughs> I'm a pro. You are the, a pro. I read the whole thing. Um, I I liked it too. Uh, you have a great quote by Soren Kierkegaard, who you know near and dear to me. I mean, I went to school with him. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, no, Kierkegaard's fantastic. I love him. And he writes, so I, I, this is a reference, this isn't a direct quote. Oh, actually, you do have his direct quote. So I'll read the direct quote and then your summation of it. Yeah. Um, you write, the self, or Kierkegaard writes, the self is the conscious synthesis of infinitude and finitude that relates itself to itself, whose task is to become itself, which can only be done through the relationship with God. The self is healthy and free from despair only when, precisely by having despaired, it rests transparently in God. Mm -hmm. Boy, Kierkegaard knew how to take an idea and just make it as long and convoluted as possible. Here's here's how you rephrased it, which I think, a relationship with God is distorted, a relationship with God is distorted if it leads us away from a relationship with the self. Mm-hmm. Which I, I mean, it's so there. I, I, I love that it, it, it has us both and, mm-hmm. um, which is a very Kierkegaardian thing to hold on to. Um, but to say it's not just about having a good relationship with yourself because that's selfish. Then you can't right. get to that place of like it's just all about me, mm-hmm. and it's not just all about a relationship with God. But it is holding both. And and I'm sorry I didn't make that connection with the Grant's quote and the Kierkegaard, that it's in the community that our relationship with God is truly formed. But, you know, but then it should be impacting our relationship with ourself as well. And having this nice fluidity between mm-hmm. both of those poles, it sounds. So what happens when the relationship with God is unhealthy because mm-hmm. of the way the community shapes that? Yeah. I, 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 I definitely have witnessed that Mm. and in others and experienced it myself too, because there was definitely, because I was so enmeshed in the life of the church, there was definitely a point. And this most likely isn't normal for people in their mid (laughs) twenties, most Mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know. Um, it was for me that I realized, Oh wait, (laughs) there, there might be mentors in my Christian faith that are telling me things that are not in line with what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me directly. Mm. Is that possible? (laughs) 
oh, it is possible. And so that doesn't, that didn't answer your question. No, no, um, no, but keep with that thought process. I think that's, how does that feel when you, when you have that, that realization? I'm going to say two answers. Okay. <laughs> That's that, that's great. That are that are different. Yeah. Some could say that that points to our infallibility as humans and that humans make a mistake and infallibility. Is that the right word I want to use? Yeah. That's okay. a good word. Yeah, we'll go with that. And um that some people make even the most godly of mentors make mistakes. Mm. Um so sorry, pardon my dog. No, that's okay. Um Others could say, and maybe it is another moment of both and, but I think others could say that the Holy Spirit is speaking to that person, that that Christian mentor that you've been trying to impress, impress and appease for so many years, um, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to that person differently than they are to you. And you need to trust, you need to trust what the Holy Spirit is, is mm. um, how the Holy Spirit is guiding is guiding you. Um, but I still don't feel like I'm answering well, your question. If how, I, and I think, yeah, yeah ask Go your question ahead. again. No, I mean, how does it, you know, how does it feel when you have this realization that the guidance, your mentors and, and mentors a power is a powerful word because it's a lot of mm -hmm. trust in that there's, yeah. um, a, 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 a power differential, Mm -hmm. Would you almost there's there's an agreement to that power differential like I'm asking you to be my mentor so I'm asking you to have some control and leadership over what I do like right you know and there's vulnerability in that relationship so when so I'm glad I like you using that word it speaks to um, how important that relationship is you know how does it feel when the the teaching and leadership that they are offering doesn't you know it, it almost uh, there's a dissonance with your own sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Yeah. Or, or put it in a different feel? way. How does it feel yeah. when the teachings of when you realize the way the church has taught you how to be a good Christian mm. is actually contradictory to what it means for you to be a good Christian? How I felt was Not immediately, but with the help of like a spiritual director and yeah, yeah. <laughs> a business coach and great people asking me questions uh, that led me to this realization was I felt as though I had evolved out of those relationships. Mm. Some of them, not all my mentors, but some of them. Yeah. And that that is not only okay, that's good and healthy and, and to be, to be able to look back over the past years and say, what did those relationships, how did they serve me at right. that time? Right. They served me in this way. Thank you, God, for that. I'm ready to move on from, from that. And, um, the way that I'm, the way that I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm answering the, I think I'm making the answer. I think I'm answering, trying to attempt to answer a much bigger question than you're asking. So I keep filtering no, myself. No, go with, <laughs> go with where you're, 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 you're headed. Answer, answer the bigger question. The, 
I don't, I, gosh, <laughs> you can tell I'm a recovering holy roller still because I'm always thinking, will this sound too new agey for some of your listeners? Well, um, trust that I will bring it, I'll, I'll, I'll center it again if it does sound too new agey. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, I, I think with, with some messages that we hear from the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that there are those who we love that are operating out of, out of different schools of thought that might not be ready for that message yet. They're not ready for it yet. Yeah. And that is okay. And Mm -hmm. to remind ourselves how much we have evolved over the past decade and that that person could also evolve. Um, and they might not evolve because the mindset, the doctrinal beliefs that they're holding, whether it be about orthopraxy or orthodoxy, those, those mindsets are serving them well, and they might always serve them well. And so that was a place that I got to with so many, and I I didn't share this in the the book, but when I decided I did not want to be an ordained pastor Mm -hmm. (laughs) after being pushed to be one from age to teenagers (laughs) to mid twenties, um, I, I had to, I, I, I broke, I broke hearts. I, like there were two meetings that my mentors were really disappointed. Um, and, um, I wrote an eight page letter to my parents an eight page letter to my grandparents, just saying, this is not who God made me to be. It, It was just the sexiness of the title that I wanted. My calling is really this. And, and so looking back now and just realizing that it's how I evolved is healthy and, Mm. and in good and, they're just not ready for it um, yet. But I'm answering a bigger question again. Well, Sorry. I think though, no, I first, I mean, I'm hearing uh, um, some, a lot of emotionality behind your answer. <laughs> totally. And, and thank you for, you know, still willing, your willingness to continue with that and mm-hmm. to not say this is too much. I'd rather not talk about this. So thank you for that. Uh, and, and, and I think this is coming. It, so I'm wondering if this is also coming from a place that is still, um, a raw, um, Mm. struggle in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it probably, it probably will be raw for a little bit because I don't want to come back to the Enneagram again, but it probably will be raw for a little bit because that is, that is my biggest, biggest trigger to use another word that's overused is that, am I, am I impressing you? And right. do I appear successful? And so many of these, these mentors that were t- training me up to be a superstar, holy roller. I, mm-hmm. I, I did not, I, I feel as though, uh, I did not impress them. And, um, even though they, they still love me and they said right. they still love me and all that thing, those things that, that, that pressure, that pressure I felt was, was, was real. And that's yeah. a, so anyway, I'm getting off topic. But no, yeah. you're you're not you're not getting off topic. You're you're doing great. Uh, I I think there's a reality to there's it's a dangerous thing to mm. really follow God. Oh yeah. You have you have a great um, section in here about vocation mm-hmm. and claiming your vocation. I like how you don't you don't you move you open it up so for lay people say so this mm-hmm. isn't to be a pastor. It's just your calling. Yeah. The dangerous thing about that is, you know, even as we follow God, God may lead us to a place where we have to leave home. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's hard to leave home, uh, you know, because that's where we've been comfort, comforted. That's where we have, you know, these firm walls. And, but we get to a place like, I, you know, the language you're speaking is still a beautiful language. 
And I mm-hmm. get how it, it, it's a language that feeds so many people, but it's no longer the language I speak. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Or I have, there's, there's a new vocabulary that I've adopted as well. I can understand what you're saying and I can speak it, but if I only speak your language, I'm limiting myself. Mm-hmm. I have this. I have a whole lexicon of words that I want to use. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I moved towards language, but that's where I am now, and I right. don't want to mix metaphors. So um, it works. Yeah. It applies. Right, but that, but that idea, and 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 there's real grief in that, mm-hmm. especially you know as you were saying that a, a big part of your identity, you know, from 13 to to 20s, you know, say you're going to be this pastor, and and we we haven't touched on you know, the challenges that I can only imagine you wrestled with being a woman saying I am called. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I don't, maybe not, maybe everyone was like, no, that's cool. We don't even worry about that. But talking to my colleagues, right. You know, there's that challenge. So there's like this double determination mm-hmm. that, that, you know, you're wrestling with, you're walking with, and then to say, God's calling me to something more or different mm-hmm. or beyond. Uh, I can understand there being, a grief in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I um, I appreciate about your book and your story is it's not condemning of your mentors. Oh, good. That was that was the goal. Yeah, because uh, I could see someone having a similar experience and writing a book saying, "Here's how I was damaged by the church." Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and I think you were honest about. Here's how I over, you know, was looking too hard for, you know, acceptance and approval. Mm-hmm. But never did I really see, here's how the church damaged me. Mm-hmm. It's a reality. Like, you know, doing church work is just tough, and you're going to deal with people right. who are jerks, and you've got to smile and say thank you anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that's, but that reality is, they're like, they're, they're beautiful people. They're lovely people. The, the church is a wonderful place. I just, I'm speaking in a different way now. Mm-hmm. Are you still connected with a church community? I, I, I tell people it's kind of like a cop that's too close to the case. Mm. And so um, once I, December 16th, 2018 was my last day. Okay. And um, we, my husband and I, we told folks that we just wanted some rest. Like I said, I had been yeah. on a paid church staff from 17 to 32. And so I had not been able to sleep in on Sundays. And mm. so we wanted to do that. So we told, we took two months off at first. And then, um, then to be honest, I, I did, I went back. I, I love, love my senior pastor and, um, I'm so thankful for him. Yeah. The real life, Michael Scott is what I call him in the book. And, <laughs> right, um, right. It's so, and he has been doing this for 37 years and we worked together for a decade and he, I, I think he understood, but he took it hard when I, Mm. I went back for one Sunday after two months and I had to, I had to set a a breathing reminder on my, my Fitbit to a meditative exercise to, to be present. I, I was overwhelmed with and I, I didn't, I, it, it would do no good <laughs> to write about some of the, the wounds that I had from, yeah. from that. And, um, I remember reading Barbara Brown Taylor's book when she left the church, it had a great title. What is it called? Gosh, darn it. There's birds on the cover, but all uh-huh. her books have birds anyway. And, um, I, I she think, was, yeah, yeah, I don't remember that. I was going to try to say something clever, but I've got nothing. Okay. That's really I good know. enough. <laughs> 
but I think she wrote that five, five years at least after she left. And I totally get that. And so I, uh, but when I went back and tried to be a member in that church after being a minister there from, for so many years, it was, um, it was really hard for me just to be and be a member and just worship. I knew too much about what the Monday's worship meeting would look like. Mm. There were some, there were some, there were some wounds that I still needed to forgive people for. And, um, and it was just hard because I, I talk in the book about relational tiers and how to have boundaries and expectations and standards for different types of relationships and how right. that's okay. That's, that's healthy. You can still love sometimes loving people with the love of the Lord means I'm going to love you with a Christ-like tolerance and that's okay. <laughs> yep. And so, yeah, that was a good chapter. That yeah. was a good section. So it was, it was hard for me to go back and all of a sudden start seeing people in a different way because I, I did, I really tried to keep boundaries of, yeah. I, I probably failed often, but I tried to keep boundaries of we're not best friends. I'm a minister. You're a church member. Like yeah. just because it's relational, we're not best friends. And anyway, and then to add to that, my denomination is going through this, right. this giant, this giant vote that just got postponed because of the virus. But, um, I was really ready and excited to be as progressive as I wanted to be instead of just pub private, like riding the fence publicly and, and saying things like, um, and saying, um, just being very PC and diplomatic about the issue. And so when I didn't work at a church anymore and I could be just me, I was so, I was so excited, honestly, to go down the street to another Methodist church (laughs) that's known for being way more progressive. Nice. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So that, yeah, so that, that's how I am, but I still have so much love for, like I said, the senior pastor and the associate pastor Mm -hmm. and lots of, lots of families there. But, um, but yeah. yeah, that's right. I don't know. You're your clergy, so I can ask you, would you want to stay and be a member at the church you're serving now as the pastor? No. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, let, let me I should probably think about that for a moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean it it is it, it's a it's a real it is a challenge. Um, you know, because there are people in the congregation that I consider myself closer to than others. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm pastor for everyone. Right, right, right. You know, even the one who's the, the biggest thorn in my side, I'm there. <laughs> you know, if they're having an issue, I'll be there. I'll pray with them because that's part of the calling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right? But there are other people that would, you know, we get together, you know, we go out for beer together, our families get together, that kind of thing. Uh, and it will be hard. But I know that yeah, if I were to ever leave this church and still live where I am, um, no, I couldn't go worship there. Mm-hmm. I, I it would uh, because the boundaries the relationships are still too are, are too different. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they could ever see me as not pastor, right? Right, and and there's a reality to that. I mean, I you know we we say once you're ordained, you're always ordained to a level of, of degree, and people will always see that ordination. So if I go to any church and I say, yeah, I'm a pastor, then you get treated differently, and that's its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the other congregations, so I I need to to be, to be able to go to a place and to say like, you know, instead of, yeah, I love that diplomatic that PC stuff because I'm always like, well, you know, that's my answer. To, like, what do you think of like, well, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at it, and I like it. It's like, no, he's wrong. He's an idiot. Let me tell yes. you why. <laughs> 
Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'd love to be able to have a place where I could just do that, but I, I right now I can't. And then, but to yeah. then go to people afterwards and to say, you know, you know, I've been their pastor, and then like, so what do you think about so and so? And I was like, no, it's wrong. He's an idiot. I'm like, well, geez, you never said that before. What else are you <laughs> hiding from me? I'm like, well, <laughs> a lot. Are you kidding? <laughs> a lot. I have to keep my job here. I'm hiding a lot. <laughs> right. I am crazy. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm just on the edge of losing it every day, but I'm going to hold day. it together for you. Um, yes. <laughs> I, have, I actually, I, I have prisoners that, that listen. So, of course, um, no, of course not. That's not true. Um, only every other day am I barely keeping it together. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> right, right. But um, actually, where did this question? But yeah, so, I mean, if, I do yeah. think I would still... So I, I was I was really gift with a sabbatical a couple of years ago. Awesome. It was so, yeah, such a blessing. Listeners, make sure your pastors get a sabbatical. It, mm-hmm. it really, you know, we only work one day a week, but boy, it's a tough day. So we need a little break. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and I found that on Sundays I still wanted to go to church, mm. and um, and I I didn't go to mine, uh, but I went to other churches and. You know, and I heard some good sermons and I heard some mediocre sermons, but I found even the mediocre sermons were meaningful. And mm-hmm. to be with other people who, you know, I may not have shared the same doctrinal ideals as they did by and large. We all had this sense of searching for something bigger. We all were looking for a sense of the other in one way or another. And that was for me, that was really consoling. It, it was it's that sense of like, I'm not walking this journey alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think I think if I were to find a place where I could like say this is where I will be that would be a little bit harder I don't think I couldn't go to a place where you know they're like far right wing or something like that because I'm like nah you, you're only going to drive me nuts I need to find you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're probably the far left wing too I'm like you guys are nuts too you got to tone it down a little um, yes I kind of picked up on that a little bit in your episode over movies with you and Catherine, you were talking about the as the eschaton. Oh your, yeah. <laughs> your difference, your different opinions on that. So yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some things I'm like, no, nah, I need some basic, I need some doctrine. I need some. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, boy, that was a while ago too. Thanks for, thanks for going back in the catalog. That's nice. Yeah. It was a great topic. Um, great topic. Um, yeah. So I still communities. It, it, it's it is important to me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get that yeah. you need to that break. Um, yes. And I was I was visiting with a the, the the pastor of the church that we now attend, and she's fresh out of seminary and mm. um, twenty five or twenty six. And I was sharing with her this, and um, she was actually sharing her sharing with my, my experience with her. Mm. And she was the one that recommended I read Barbara Brown Taylor's leaving church. There it is. Ah. That, that's not really the most, that's not the most beautiful title. Why did I, anyway, that's what yeah, it's called. Living, she could leaving do church. better than that. Come on, Taylor. Yeah, I was really surprised. Come up with She's a better phenomenal. title. Such a wordsmith, but that's the title, <laughs> leaving church. And then it's a bird leaving a cage and it's. Maybe she was yeah. tired that day. They called her up Maybe. like, Miss, Miss, Miss Taylor, we need a title. For this. <laughs> I don't know. Leaving church, just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm leave fine. me alone. Yeah, good. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> She's like, just put my name on it, and it'll sell. I know. Boy, to be at that level, huh? 
Yes, yes. Um, but this pastor friend of mine, she was saying that she read that book when she thought it was time for her to leave, mm. which was a year ago. And um, and then reading that book, she discovered that she was different than than Taylor, that that she needed to stay. That this was her vocational calling. Okay. And I think that's why I that might have been why I wanted to end the book with a chapter on um, serving from the soul and, yeah. and hopefully empowering the reader to be in tune with their vocation that, um, this was a, a weird self deprecating journey that I took to discover. Um, yeah, that's not, I, I was not, I was not made to work at a church and I'm sure some people could tell me you were then, but you just evolved, your calling evolved. And that could be it too. Um, but it it was definitely time for me to, to, to leave, to Mm. stop being a, to begin recovering as a holy roller. It was my time and it might not be time for, lots of other young ministers out there. Um, and so, but yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's affirming. I, I really, um, I'm so grateful for the time that you've given me on, uh, on just this episode for this, this conversation. I, and you know, just the openness that you brought. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for writing the book. Uh, where can people find it? Yes. So if they want to give the book a test drive before they commit to LOLing at their own copy, mm-hmm. they can go to MegCalvin.com and get the first 50 pages for free, totally for free in okay. their inbox. And they also will get occasional emphasis on the word occasional <laughs> um, bits of encouragement in finding confidence and certainty in who they were made to be in their inbox from me when they sign up to get that 51st pages. And then it's on, it's on Amazon and, um, you can, I love, uh, I love connecting on social media so people can, I love to continue the conversation on Instagram and Meggie underscore Lee underscore Calvin or on Facebook, just Meg Calvin. And, um, uh, yeah, I'd love to connect with any listeners out there that, like I said, want to, want to keep talking about this. Yeah. So folks go check out the, go, go get the book. You don't need to do the 50 feet. You know, it's going to be great. Don't (laughs) bother with the sample. Just get the, read the whole thing, get the book, read it. Don't, don't waste your time with, with just these silly free sample stuff. And anyways, free samples are ways that you get the coronavirus. You got to It's, it's not as safe. You just got to get the thing yourself. That's man, this is this is amazing marketing you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find anything with coronavirus labeled connected really, with it yeah. really sells. People just like launch on that, like, well, then I need some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, hopefully this will, by the time this is posted, hopefully that will be a thing of the past. We'll be looking back yes. and laughing at how yes. we reacted or crying. Um, That's right. Because we'd be in a whole new world order and we'll no longer be using money anymore, but instead we'll be using your book. Your book will become a currency in the new (laughs) world order. So that's the other reason why people should get it now. That's great. This is, yeah, these are investment. (laughs) (laughs) Investment advice from 12 and up. Yes, Um, yes. No, uh, in all sincerity, uh, I strongly recommend it. I, I, I get that it's definitely good for people in twenties to thirties, but I would recommend it to anyone. I'd recommend it to pastors. I recommend it to anyone who is at this place of just searching spiritually, Mm -hmm. um, you know, who are looking for, you know, leaning more towards the mystical, 
you know, getting ready, you know, moving into that area and starting to say, like, I feel like there's just more than, than just memorizing scripture and, and learning the catechism, although we don't have catechism in the Baptist. Right. Yeah. But, you know, for those who do it. We and, get it. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think this book is a great entree into a, a, a broader world of, you know, a broader place to experience God or a different way to experience God. Um, so thank you very much for being on the show. My pleasure. It was an honor. Thank you for thank the you. In, thank you for letting me be a yeah. guest. What a great conversation! I, uh, it was just delightful, and Megas, I, I just I like the authenticity that she brings to every question uh, and just really sharing who she is. And, uh, you know, this may be shocking to you, but many people in the religious world uh, don't share exactly who they are. They aren't authentic. I know, I know that's not what you expected. You thought everyone who's religious is honest, but that's not the case. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you that. No, it is always refreshing to hear someone just share in such a, a deep and honest way. And, and I enjoyed that conversation. I hope you did as well. Uh, if you want to send a comment about this conversation, uh, about another uh, episode or anything else, you can send those to 12enough at gmail.com. If you want to send comments, um, you know, about, you know, questions that you would wish Meg asked or, or answered or anything like that, send them to me. I'll pass them on to her. So send those to 12enough at gmail.com. If you want to find out more about, about Meg, uh, go to megkelvin.com, M-E-G-C-A-L-V-I-N.com, and all that will be on the show notes. I also, of course, uh, recommend that you read her book. Get her book, um, I Am My Own Sanctuary, and read it and let Meg know what you think. I feel pretty confident you'll, you'll enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, let me know what you think. Don't don't tell Meg. I mean, sh- she could take it, but you know, let me know as well. Um. So yeah, I had a moment. So thank you very much for listening to this show. I know that if those of you who subscribe to the podcast feed have been also getting other shows, the Kitchen Table Spirituality, uh, that has been Wednesday night devotionals I've been doing with Charlie Eastman, uh, and I hope you're enjoying those. The, meant to be more for our religious communities but you know what you could still pray this is a weird time i hope you are being safe and taking care of yourself so as i said go to the website 12enough.com where the show notes are and you can find the show notes for this episode and and past episodes Uh, email at 12enough at gmail.com and facebook follow me at facebook where things are posted things that are interesting are posted things that aren't interesting are posted. I don't know. And as always, thank you very much for listening. Twelve Enough is a podcast of Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Meg Calvin is a writer, speaker, teacher, and inspirer um, in Kansas. And you can find more about her at megkelvin.com. 
the thoughts, ideas, opinions, ruminations, moments of brilliance, moments otherwise, moments when we stop and say, huh, hmm, you know, maybe. In all those moments that are kept inside, that are kept at a social distance, those moments where we really just pull back, they don't reflect our families, our friends, our churches, our, our denominations, the states we live in, the people that we may represent, the people we don't want to represent, and all other sorts of people. This is our podcast. These are our ideas. That was a pretty bad ending. <laughs>